Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 107. Psalm uh, 107, and this is just one of those, uh, this is actually originally a song um, in the Bible, and uh, there's, uh, if you do not have a Bible, there's uh, Bibles there in the pews around you that you can use. Uh, right about the middle of your Bible is the book of Psalms, and um, it, uh, Psalm 107, there's the longest book in the Bible is a song book, 150 chapters, and we don't have the original tunes that these were sung to, but each of these were songs that were sung to God. You think God cares about music? The longest book in the Bible is a songbook. That uh, one of the ways that we praise and give thanks to the Lord is through music. And while we don't have the original uh, tune to this anymore, as we read uh, the first uh, 22 verses here of Psalm 107, I want you to see if you can pick up on the chorus. Okay, the chorus is something that repeats. There's a chorus here in this psalm uh, that we're going to focus on uh, this morning. And so um, as we read, follow along, Psalm 107, verse number 1, the Bible says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul, and He filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Such as sit sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction, in iron, because... They rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and brake their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness." For his wonderful works to the children of men, for he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat. They draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. This morning the title is this, The Greatest Reason to Praise God. How many picked up on the chorus through there? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. We're not going to cover the whole psalm uh, this morning, just the verses that we read, but let's pray once more and ask the Lord's help, and then we'll get into the sermon this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you, and we thank you for your goodness. 
Lord, I thank you that you are able to work wonders. I pray, Lord, this morning as we just take time and consider your word, that you would help us to understand what it means to give thanks to you. And Lord, help us to know why we should give thanks to you. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless each part of the service, that you would speak to hearts. Lord, I pray that you would work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes it feels like Thanksgiving is the forgotten holiday. Sometimes, okay? If you look, if you just walked into Walmart, if you walked into Walmart, you walked into um, 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 some of the different stores, you walked into uh, uh, whatever, it, BJ's, whatever it happens to be, uh, they've got all the stuff up for Halloween, all the candy they want to sell, and then as soon as that is coming down with all the uh, 50-foot skeletons or whatever they're doing there, um, right after that, there's already Christmas decorations moving in, and somewhere in between, we go, I go, what about Thanksgiving? What about Thanksgiving? Now, some in America in our world today have either have chosen to ignore Thanksgiving, some because of the history of Thanksgiving and why that is a holiday in our nation. There are many that celebrate Thanksgiving. However, in, in our modern culture, and I'm not just trying to bash heads or do that, the modern c- celebration of Thanksgiving bears little resemblance to the meaning of the word or to the original purpose of Thanksgiving, all right? Um, If you got on the news or something of that, here's how you might refer, hear Thanksgiving referred to. Turkey Day, right? How many have heard someone refer to Thanksgiving as Turkey Day? Because that's what they consider. It's about um, eating an ungodly amount of food and dessert, and uh, there's nothing wrong with enjoying yourself, but it's, you know, way more abundance, or it's about football, or it's about the beginning of starting Christmas shopping with all the craziness that goes on there, or um, family, you know, there's, by the way, God gave us family. And we, we should enjoy family. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying food. There's nothing, sometimes even at a family, they would stop, to, stop and take some time around the table and exchange some blessings and exchange some things they're thankful for. But here's some of the things you might hear. Well, I'm thankful for my family. Praise the Lord. That, that's good. I'm, I'm thankful for the food and for the labor that went in. By the way, I'm thankful for every person who worked hard uh, to bring the food uh, today because uh, Mr. Jesse and I could not possibly have made it all, and it works so much better when we work together and excited about that. Maybe uh, you're thankful for your job and just uh, your health and some different things, and those are good things, but, that, but I want to challenge you as we're going to get into the Word of God that still misses the idea of what the word thanksgiving means, what it even means. Both the word thanksgiving and the origin of the holiday in our country, it involves praise and giving thanks, not just for blessings, it purposely and even the meaning of the word involves giving thanks to God for the blessings that come from Him. It's not just, oh, we're thankful. Why are we thankful? 
We do not have time this morning to go into the whole story of uh, the first pilgrims and what is often called the first Thanksgiving. And you begin, look, uh, what's the big deal about that? Well, they were being thankful to God that they had survived the first winter. They were being thankful to God that a harvest had come in, that there was an opportunity to survive the next winter. I want to challenge you that you cannot separate the idea of thanksgiving from God. Because He is the one who has given us the blessings. But even as we begin looking at the blessings, there can be a focus more on the blessings than on the God who gave them to us. And that's a a missing of the purpose of thanksgiving. And here in our text this morning, the psalmist gives us, in his word, this is an inspired word of God, this is what God wants us to know, gives us the greatest reason why we should give thanks to God. Okay, let's get into it. The psalmist calls, okay, he's called for thanksgiving praise. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. How many times is that repeated, right? Uh, is not that what the psalmist is doing? He's calling men. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. By the way, women is included in that as well. It's a, a generic phrase. He's calling all people to give thanks to the Lord because of his goodness and because of his wonderful works. He's, by the way, all creation praises God. The Bible says in Psalm 148, Praise Him, sun, moon, praise Him, all ye stars of light. Praise Him, ye heaven of heavens, ye waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. Um, Just look at the, um, this year we're having a pretty nice color change on Long Island. It's from the last couple of years anyways. and It's absolutely beautiful, but you know what that does? It praises the Creator. Because that isn't a happenstance. It didn't just so happen that way. God created it that way. The fact that the the sun and the moon, it stays in their order and that the, the seasons come, all of that is the hand of God that gives praise to God. That lifts up saying, look at the goodness of God that the air that we breathe, that the plants bring in the carbon dioxide and produce oxygen that we can breathe. And we could spend the whole service right here. But creation itself sings as in nature... But the Bible, not just Psalm 107, but the entire Bible is full of calls or demands for the greatest creation of God, mankind, to lift up the name of God. The word praise is used 313 times in your Bible. If we, if we take the word thanks, thanksgiving, thankful, it's used 138 times in your Bible. Could we say that's a pretty significant amount? I mean, this is something that God is serious about. And the, the, the word says there at the beginning, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. It's to express praise. By the way, when we were singing, praise Him, praise Him. That was an expression of praise. When we sang the song over there, my wife and I, I've got so much to thank Him for. That is an expression of praise to God. It is to speak of the excellence of someone. It is to give thanks that has a focus on gratitude. That's what, the, that's what the word means there. It's an imperative. This is what we're commanded to do. Um, the word thanksgiving involves praise and gratefulness to God through either singing or through the offering of sacrifices. If we look through the whole, if we look in the Old Testament, there was an entire family of the Levitical priesthood, the family of Asaph, that was dedicated to one purpose, singing the praises of God in the temple. In the Old Testament temple. There was a whole family. Their only purpose, many of the Psalms, were even written by Asaph and the sons of Asaph. Both here on this earth, God is to be praised. 
heaven, if you read the book of Revelation, is going to be about singing the praises of God. And God has called all men and women and children from all nations to praise God. Psalm 117, oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. Is there anybody left out of that? No. That's pretty inclusive. God desires that all men, all women, all people would praise Him. He's deserving of that praise. It's not just for a pastor or for skilled musicians to praise the Lord. The, the verse commands us here that we just read, all people. Okay? Oh, that men, that was including everyone, that God's, uh, God's desire is that all people are to publicly praise the Lord. Okay? How are we to praise the Lord? What are we supposed to praise the Lord about? Okay, Pastor, you're saying praise the Lord, praise the Lord, we need to praise the Lord. Well, the Bible gives us a couple different reasons, and this is not the focus of the psalm. I'm just trying to give us some warm-up. The Bible commands us um, that we are to praise God for His daily benefits. Blessed be God, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. We should express thanks to God for the air that we breathe. You were able to drive to church this morning. Hey, that's a that God gave you that provision. That's a blessing from God. The water we drink, the food and the finances He's provided. All of that is the blessings of God. That's the daily provision of God. Where would, be, where would we be without the rains? Where would we be without um, how God blesses that the bees fertilize uh, the fruits and all? I mean, how did God design that? That's the daily benefits of God. We should give God thanks for that. We should thank God for those who are a blessing and encouragement to us. Hey, there's nothing wrong with, we, it's, a, it's biblical to be thankful for family. It's biblical to be thankful for those who are a blessing to us. Paul often said, I, when he was writing to a church, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. That I thank God for you. I thank God for what's doing in your, what God is doing in your life. Right? He was thankful for others. Okay, that's, that's a biblical thing to be thankful for. Uh, we should thank God when he works miracles. Okay, how about this, um, the Bible talks about, and for time's sake, we're going to keep, we're going to keep moving here, um, but when Jesus performed miracles, or when there was, Jesus parted, uh, God parted the Red Sea, there was a song of praise that followed right after that with Miriam and the other people there, that when God does something that is above and beyond what we could even imagine, that is a cause to praise God, and God should be praised for that. We should praise God not only for what He's done, but for who He is. The Bible says again and again, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endureth forever. You can always give thanks to God for who He is. Because who He is never changes. God is unchanging. God is always perfect and His love is always there and His mercy, what we don't deserve, is, is ready to be extended. We should give thanks to the Lord for that. In fact, the Bible says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Okay, That there is never a time where you cannot be thankful to God. In everything. If you are a saved believer in everything, give thanks. And the psalmist here is calling, uh, calling men, calling all people to Praise the Lord, to give thanks unto the Lord for His goodness. And we're going to get to ex explain it a little bit more down, but, uh, down the road here in the sermon. But goodness, just to give us an understanding of that, it deals with the unfailing love of God. The goodness of God. It, it comes, um, part of the Hebrew word there deals with the covenant promises of God. 
that God's goodness is revealed in His faithfulness, that what God has promised always comes to pass. That God's goodness is connected with His character, that His character doesn't change. He is, he, we can trust His promises because they don't change and He's good. His, he's good. Is everybody okay? His goodness, His, his trustworthiness, His devotion, His kindness. Okay, so we are to praise God. The psalmist is telling us we need to praise God for His goodness and for His wonderful works. Okay, wonderful works. What is that talking about? Well, it has this idea. What is beyond our power to do? Something that is extraordinary. Something that's wonderful. Something that's amazing. Something that God has done that is impossible for anyone else to do. Is that, is that okay? He's saying we think we need to praise God for His goodness because of who He is, and we need to thank God for His wonderful works, for what He did for human beings that they could not possibly do, that He did something far beyond their ability to do. Are we all together? Okay. If you nod your head up and down, that helps me keep moving. If not, we'll, we'll, my goal is to help everyone understand, and I don't want to just get through the sermon. I want us to understand, and we're to, we're to praise God for His goodness. And for his wonderful works. Thanksgiving is a time to thank God for his blessings, for his provision, for his protection, to thank God for who he is. But the purpose of the psalmist in this text is not just to encourage the people to thank God for his blessings or to praise God for his benefits. Really, the psalmist is giving us the greatest reason that a man or woman can have to praise God. And that is his deliverance. His deliverance. We cannot know for certain that this psalm is one of those psalms that's not signed. We don't know if David wrote this. Most likely, from those who are supposed to know these things, I'm going to give uh, an idea of what they say, that this psalm was written when Israel was returning from the Babylonian captivity. Just a little bit of Bible history here. The people of God, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, they had been given the law of God. They had been said, this is the way, walk ye in it. This is the truth of God. And uh, God had sent them prophet after prophet, like Jeremiah, like Isaiah, like uh, uh, Elijah and Elisha and others that were there that uh, told them the word of God. And yet they said, no, 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 God, we want to do it our own way. We're going to, we're, yeah, God, we still love you. You're still our God, but we're going to worship idols here on the side, and we're going to kind of do our own thing. And God said, that doesn't work. You can't serve me and serve yourself at the same time. It's you serve me or you're rebelling against me. And God had given them the warning after warning after warning. In our daily Bible reading, we're going through the book of Ezekiel, where God told, them, God told Ezekiel, you're going to preach and they're not going to listen, but they're going to know there was a prophet among them. Uh, they're not going to have an excuse because I'm warning them, and yet uh, they continue to go their own way. And so God took His own people, He took them out of the land of Israel, and they went into Babylon captivity for 70 years as part of God's judgment and God's wrath on them because of their sin. But after 70 years, in the mercy of God that endures forever... God allowed them to begin to return to the promised land. And God began to bring them back. And it's at this point that many believe that this psalm was written. That it was a psalm speaking about the deliverance from the Babylonian captivity. But whether or not it's speaking about the, uh, the captivity there or not, this is Scripture. And it's telling the stories of God's deliverance. 
Okay, we need to remember this also. Psalms are poetry. They're, they're poetic. And they love to use imagery about real events. But it is also scripture. This is inspired by God. The greatest point of this psalm is not dealing with physical problems, but is dealing with spiritual and heart problems. So the psalmist's greatest purpose of talking is not talking about how we got out of the grasp of the Babylonian captivity, but rather how, we got out of, how God delivered us from ourselves and how God delivered us from the effects of our sin. Let's, um, so this is what he begins to talking about, and he begins to call the redeemed of the Lord to praise the Lord. Well, why should those he's calling have a reason to praise the Lord? Right? If he's calling people to praise the Lord... He is giving them the reason. This is why you should want to praise the Lord. This is why, this is the reason you need to praise God. Verse number four. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. There were those who had wandered out of the right path. The idea of wandering means you're not going the right direction. Uh, you're not where you need to be. You ever seen someone wandering on the road? You see someone who doesn't know where they're going, and they're stopping and they're turning, and then they're going, what's, okay, they're, what's happening? They're lost. And even GPS isn't helping them out right now. Psalmist is describing what happens spiritually. These people are lost. They lost their way. It says that they, they found no city to dwell in. They're, in. they're in the wilderness. There's not the protection from the elements. It's, it's, it's a lonely, solitary, it's, it's a lonely place. Not only are they lost, they're wandering. They're, they're moving farther and farther away from hope. When someone is lost, what's happening? They're traveling in circles. When, when someone gets lost in the woods, when someone gets lost in that, what usually happens is they try to head this way and because they don't have a bearing, they don't have a direction, they end up wandering in circles and they end up expending more energy and the more they wander, the harder it is to find them. Because uh, the tracks begin to get marred and uh, different things, and they're, they're lost and he, it, their effort wears them out, it increases their hunger and thirst. The psalmist here says, and their soul fainted in them. Okay? They are out of strength. Even if they knew the right way from this point, they don't have the strength to take the next step. Right? They've wandered. Their soul faints in them. They're in a terrible situation. They're lost. They're exposed to the elements. They don't know the right way to turn. They're, they're without supplies. They're without protections. That's the first section there. He said, uh, there was a time when you were lost. And by the way, each of these sections isn't describing a, a different group of people, but is rather continued descriptions of the same. Is everybody okay? It's, it's a continued description. This is true about this people. They were lost. They were wandering. They were hungry and they were thirsty. Verse number, uh, verse number 10 picks up the next section. Such as sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the word of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. This tells us why they were lost. 
This tells us why they were in the condition they were in. Um, They had rebelled against God. They had condemned or treated with contempt. They had scorned the word of the Lord. They, someone had tried to give them a gospel track and said, no, I don't need that. The prophet had came, the preacher had came and told them about the truth of Jesus Christ. And I'll get around to it when I feel like it. I don't need that right now. I don't need the word of God. And they rebelled against it. They, they heard the word of God and they said, that's not what I want to do. I want to do what I want to do. And because of their rebellion, they were in darkness. They were bound in the chains of affliction. And that's what it says in verse number time. Being bound in affliction in iron. Doing things your own way will wear you out. It will leave you empty. It will leave you frustrated. Rebellion is the way of darkness. Loneliness and bondage. How many young people have said, I... I don't, I don't care about your rules. I'm going to do things my own way. I'm tired of you oppressing me. I'm going to have freedom. And they end up in bondage to drugs and alcohol. They end up, uh, they, they go, this doesn't hurt. Uh, this is not a big deal. I can do what I want and get away with it. And, ne- and now they begin looking back at their lives. And they go, I, I'm alone. I'm, I'm in darkness. There's, there's no help here that I'm enslaved to this. By the way, there's no chains tighter than the chains of spiritual bondage. The chains of self-righteousness and pride destro- destroy so many. They, they seek freedom through being a good person, through maybe seeking a higher understanding, but they're still in chains themselves. Then verse number 17 gives us our last section, fools. A fool is someone who ignores the wisdom and the counsel of God for their own thinking. They, they are unwilling to learn. They just are... It's not maybe that they're shaking their fist at God, they just go, what's the big deal? Come on, preacher, you need to slow down a little bit. This, we, come on, can't anybody have fun? What, what, why are you making a big deal about this? But God makes a big deal about this. He says, fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities. God, God takes those who ignore or rebel against His word seriously. Sin is always a big deal. Whenever you break God's law... You are transgressing. The idea there is to pass beyond, uh, to cross the limit, to cross the boundary, to pass over the line. And he says, uh, their iniquity, iniquity is sin. It's, it's wickedness. It's the, with the focus on the guilt thereof. The, the iniquity and the consequences, the guilt that comes from it. In our society, we like to call sin a mistake. We like to call it an indiscretion youthful problems, youthful excitement, come on, it's not that big of a deal. I don't know how many people I've said, come on, preacher, nobody's perfect. My point is, exactly. That's why God calls it sin. That's why God calls it iniquity. Because sin, when it is finished, the Bible says, bringeth forth death. God calls sin, sin, because it will destroy you. It will destroy everything around you. And it will ultimately bring a separation from God. Look what it says here. It says, uh, because of their iniquities are afflicted. Um, The idea is there, the verb tense is they literally brought it on themselves. 
They brought the affliction. They brought the judgment on themselves. You can do whatever you want to do whatever you want. You can change what it is called, but you can't change the law of sowing and reaping. What God has called sin is still sin. It is still destructive, and it still brings God's judgment. That's the idea of affliction there, is the wrath of God is coming. The judgment of God was abiding over them because they had gone their own way and rejected the Word of God. This is a spiritual truth that still describes every person that was without Christ. We are born lost, we are born enslaved, we are born facing God's wrath. Is is not that a description of how a person comes into this world? Hey, I was born a sinner. Yes, I grew up in a preacher's home. Yes, uh, many people would say, oh, look at that good little boy. He even listens to his mom and dad. Nope. I was born lost. I was born a slave to sin. I was born facing God's judgment. Sin always leaves you hungry. It it leaves you thirsty and unsatisfied. It leaves you lonely. It leaves you without hope. A lost person sins because they're the servant of sin. They're under the control of sin. It's their master. It tells them what to do. And the, the chains of sin are tighter than any chains of any prison known to man. And by the way, sin always brings God's judgment. You can't avoid it. What God has said is final. That sin that is not dealt with God's way will bring an eternal separation from God. Preacher, this is supposed to be Thanksgiving. So far this has been a pretty negative sermon. How can this possibly be the greatest reason to praise God? Hang on, we're getting there. But we're not going to know it until we deal with truth. There's a reason why it's the greatest reason to praise God. Each portion of this psalm starts out with a terrible situation. Right? Okay, lost, enslaved, facing the wrath of God. But um, it ends in rejoicing. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. So how did they get from something that was terrible to something that was wonderful? They reached a point where they understood there was no way out of their predicament. Okay? Before a lost person can be found, they have to realize they're not, they don't know where they're going. If you still think you know where you're going, you're going to keep going. In order to be found, you've got to realize, wait a second, I don't know where I'm going. Could somebody please help me? Okay? Uh, if someone is going to be freed, they have to realize they're in bondage. Okay? Someone who's like, no! I can stop this whenever I want. Right? It, it doesn't have any hold on me. I, can, I, don't, I don't have to do it. I just do it when I feel like doing it. Until they're willing to admit they're actually in bondage to it, they're never going to be freed from it. Come on. Okay, they have to understand. There has to be an understanding that judgment is coming before someone will desire a change of direction. There has to, you want people to slow down on the highway? Just put a cop car right there. Right? Okay? Uh, they have to understand that there's a, there's a good possibility that something's going to happen. Oh, I'm going to slow down now. Um, why? Because there's judgment that is there. It wasn't until the prodigal son came to himself 
is what the Bible says in the book of Luke there. He came to himself. He realized that here he is, a Jewish boy, feeding pigs, and he goes, what on earth am I doing? Then he was ready to go back to the Father's house. It wasn't until he realized where he was that he was ready to return to the Father's house. But here's what each section also has. It not only tells us they were in trouble. It tells us this. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Right? Verse, verse number 6. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. Verse number 13. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. Verse number 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. Each section reveals they cried out to God in their trouble. They were still in their predicament, but they cried out to God for deliverance. They called out to Him. It's an audible prayer that's directed to God. It wasn't, oh, it'd be so nice if things were changed. They go, Lord, I need your help. Right? They are calling out to God for the purpose of His intervention in their life. They were saying, I'm wrong. I'm in trouble because I've ignored your word. Notice, how did they get in trouble? They ignored the word of God. They rebelled against the word of God. They transgressed. They were in iniquity. This is talking about a spiritual situation because they had ignored the word of God. And the psalmist is saying, when they cried out to God, when they said, Lord, I've gotten into this mess by myself. I've gotten into this situation. Their cry to God was always heard. They cried unto the Lord in their distress. Uh, they were, the idea there is they were surrounded. They were besieged on every side. They were in the middle of it. There was no hope. And they cried out to God and He delivered them. Those who were lost and hungry, it says, He filled them. He satisfied them. Those that were in chains, He shattered their chains. He broke them asunder. Those that were uh, facing judgment, those that were facing death, God healed and He delivered this is the same thing that Jesus Christ can do for any soul, any sinner, who will simply call on His name in faith. That's why the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God has promised those who will come to Him in simple faith will be spiritually satisfied. What did Jesus say in John chapter 6? He said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh unto me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Um, we live in a world that is lost. We live in a world that is hungry. And there might even be someone in this room this morning that says, I'm, I'm not satisfied with this life. There's, there's a longing in my soul. Can I tell you, Jesus can satisfy. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy. Jesus, has, God has promised all that will come in, to Him in simple faith, that He will break the bonds of those chains and He will set you free. Jesus said in John chapter 8, If ye continue in My word, then are, then are ye My disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed, completely free. That there's a freedom that God offers you. It is a freedom through His Word. It is a freedom from the, the bonds of sin and you surrender to Jesus Christ. God has promised that all who come to Him in simple faith will have everlasting life instead of everlasting judgment. Jesus said in John chapter 3, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not on the Son shall not see light, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Can I tell you this? If you are without Christ this morning, the wrath of God is on your life. 
Not only in this life, but it's going to abide on there for all of eternity. The judgment of God. And the wrath of God leads to an eternal separation from, from God in a place the Bible calls hell. The lake of fire. That's sobering. That should be very... Wait a second. There are people in this world that are on their way to an eternal hell. Separated from God. But see, those in this psalm cried out to God in their distress. And they were delivered by God. When they called out to God and they said, Lord, I cannot save myself. Will you save me? Lord, I'm lost. Lord, I'm enslaved. Lord, I'm, I'm not where I need to be. Would you, it's not just where I need to be. I'm under your wrath. And I'm hopeless. God delivered them. God moved in and God did something and he, uh, he, he filled their soul and He broke those chains and He took them out of that wrath and He brought them to the place He wanted them to be. So what should those who have been delivered do? We should praise the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. We've got to deal with the bad before we can get to the good. By the way, how are we delivered? We're delivered because of His goodness. Uh, because of His grace, but because of His goodness. What, why can we trust God's grace? Because we can trust God's promises. That he, that, is, that he is always faithful to what He has said. That's why the Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Here is how any person is rescued. Here is how any person can know for sure they're on their way to heaven. It's because of the goodness of God. There's nothing good in ourselves. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one, that in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. We're lost. We're enslaved. We're facing the wrath of God. That's the condition of every single human being outside of the goodness of God. But those who will cry out to God um, will be delivered because God is good. Because He has promised, He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. That, yes, I was, I was raised in a preacher's home. I was goody two-shoes. But that didn't make me good. That didn't make me pleasing to God. I was born a sinner. I was born lost. I was born a slave to sin. I was born facing the wrath of God. And if there had not been a time that I called out to God in repentance and asked Him to save me and realized that I cannot save myself and my goodness is not enough, I would still be on my way to hell and I would still be separated from God. I would still be lost. But as a young boy, I said, Lord, I can't save myself. Would you save me? Lord, would you come into my heart and forgive my sins? And can I tell you this? He did. Why And how can I know that I'm saved? How can I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven? Because of His goodness. Because His, His promises don't change. Every promise that God has made, He has always kept. And I came to the Lord in faith and I can know this. Because of the Word of God, I can trust it. But not only does God save us through His goodness, God should be praised and God saves us through His wonderful works. What is beyond our power to do? If you could save yourself, why would Jesus need to come and die on the cross? 
If you were good enough on your own, why would Jesus need to come and die on the cross? It's because we're not. It's because we're lost. It's because we're enslaved. It's because each person is, is born under the wrath of God. And that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That that is not possible through anything we can do, but it is the gift of God. Can I tell you? That is a wonderful work. That is beyond our power to do. But God extends that to any person who will believe. You can't earn salvation. You can't deserve salvation. You can't purchase salvation. But it is a gift of God. See, the psalmist called for God to be praised for His goodness and for His wonderful works because God had mercifully delivered guilty sinners who had cried out to God. You know why there's a reason for people to praise God here in this church this morning because we could go around and we could talk to people and there'd be testimonies I was on my way to hell but I cried out to God and God delivered me God in his goodness forgave me and I know I'm on my way to heaven because of the goodness and the wonderful works of God and I want to praise God for that I want to lift up the name of God for what he did in my life can I tell you God should be praised for that God's name should be lifted up. We should say that is the greatest reason to praise God is not for, well, I have a nice car or I have some some money in the bank and I have a nice family and things are good. Hey, thank the Lord for that. But the greatest reason that you have to praise God is, is if you have been born again. And if you have not been born again, understand this, that all the pleasures of this life and all the nice things of this life cannot take you to heaven. It is only the it is only the gift of God that can do that. You either need to lift up your voice in praise or you need to cry out in deliverance. There's two groups of people here this morning. You either need to be praising God for what He has already done in your life or you need to cry out to God for God to deliver you. If there's been a time in your life where you've been saved by the goodness of God, you need to praise the Lord. You, okay, you were not in the right way. Even, even as a young child, I was not in the right way. I was, I was in bondage. I was in despair. You might say, come on, preacher. Not that bad. Yes, I was. To have biblical salvation, there must come the light bulb moment where you realize, wait a second. No, this is talking about me. It's not just an ascent, yes, Jesus came and died on the cross for sins. No, He died on the cross for my sins. And without the gift of God, I will not be given. I will not know heaven and I will not know Jesus Christ. That I am under the wrath of God, but if I receive the gift of God, I will be given eternal life. There must come a light bulb moment where you receive Christ as your personal Savior. Without the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life, there's no hope. There's no hope. There's no reality of heaven outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. How do we receive the blood of Jesus Christ? By grace, through faith. We believe God's word. We call out Him in faith. Lord, I can't save myself. Will you save me? He'll forgive every one of our sins because His goodness and His wonderful works. If you've been saved by the grace of God, you need to praise God this morning. Hey, when you show up for a church service, sing to the Lord. 
uh, when you, when you, talk, when you uh, are talking with your friends, when you're talking in your home. Praise God. Talk about the goodness of God. Well, this isn't going right. This is, we can, sometimes Christians can be the most dour people in the world. Why? Because we're not focusing on the goodness of God. Wait a second. Think what God has done, that I am not on my way to hell, that I have eternity in heaven to look forward to, that this life, though it is just, this life may be um, difficult and there may be trials, but it is just for a moment and there's a far greater life to look forward to, that I call to God and God hears my prayers, that now I am a child of God and He is my Father and He knows me and He cares for me and He delivers me. What reason do we have not to praise the Lord? But there might be someone in this room this morning that doesn't have a testimony. Say, they might say, Pastor Andrew, I don't know when I got saved. I mean, I've always believed in God. I went to church for many years. But I couldn't tell you I know I'm saved. I couldn't tell you I know I'm on my way to heaven. Okay, you can think nice thoughts about God, but until you've been delivered by God, you're still lost. You're still enslaved. You're still on your way to hell. You can't break the chains of sin on your own. You can't avoid the judgment of God on your own. You can't find your way on your own. What's the answer? Cry out to God. They cried out to God in their distress. God isn't asking you to clean yourself up. Try harder next time. He's saying, no, you can't do it. Turn from your own efforts where you just believe me. And those who cry out to God in faith and repentance, the Bible says, he will deliver. Then you too can know what it means to be born again. Then you too can know what it means to be rescued by the grace of God. This morning. You either need to lift up your voice in praise because of what God has done in your life. Or you need to call out in God for deliverance. And you say, Lord, I'm not saved. Would you save me? He will. Because of his goodness and his wonderful works. And then you too can join in the song of those who for all of eternity are going to praise God for what he has done because of his power, because of his goodness. Can I, that's the reason why we can praise God. We can thank God for all the wonderful things of Thanksgiving. But if you don't know Christ as your Savior, all of this is temporal and will not last. The greatest reason you can praise God is to know that you've been delivered by God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you this morning. And Lord, I do not know the hearts of each person who is here, but I thank you, Lord, that there you are here. I don't believe any person is here by accident this morning. Lord, I pray that if there are those who are saved and know you, I pray that you would give us grace to trust you and to praise you for your goodness in our lives. Lord, if there's one here this morning who does not know you as Savior, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to admit where they truly are. And, Lord, that they would cry out to you for deliverance even today. And, Lord, that they could know, I know, Lord, that you have promised today is a day of salvation, that anyone who comes to you will be forgiven, will be born again. I, I pray, Lord, that you would work, that you would give clarity, that your spirit would work in hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.
We'll have the piano begin to play. This is what we call a time of invitation. We just ask that everyone close their eyes, bow their heads, just to give some privacy for a moment. This is a time if God has spoken to your heart, that you have an opportunity to speak back to God. I'd ask this morning, how many could say, Pastor, I, I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. There's a time and a place where I cried out to God and I, I know He saved my soul. With no one looking around, just me and the Lord. Would you raise your hand? I, I know for sure I'm saved. I know the Lord is my Savior. I trusted Jesus Christ. Many hands went up all over the auditorium. Someone that would say, Preacher, I don't know for sure I'm saved. Would you let us take the time and open the pages of God's Word? Would you set up a time and talk with us? You don't have to come forward right now, but we're going to have some time in the, in the coming hours where we're going to eat and fellowship. Would you give, if you're a lady, talk to, talk to Miss Jessie. If you're a man, talk to me. We would love nothing. Nothing could make a greater Thanksgiving than you knowing for sure you're on your way to heaven. Take a moment, just let the piano play and let the Lord do a work. If he's speaking, speak back to God. He wants, he wants to save everyone. You can be born again today if you'll just cry out to the Lord.